All right, it is time for another installment of Black History 365, an inclusive account of American history, written by Dr. Walter Milton Jr. and Jolie Freeman, Ph.D., uh, a course load, a 10-unit course load, 1,248 pages, QR codes tied to technology and the ability to share real information. After all, black history is not separate from American history. It is part of American history and an effort by these authors and certainly by this show and many others around the country to make sure that the information is out there in full context for all to consume. And as the gentleman uh, who joined me now said much better than me to become uh, more critical thinkers, better thinkers, Joel Walter, great to have you here. Let's talk black culture and influence. Yes, so good to be with you, David. Thank you. I yes, tell you, so, you guys so have got me, David. <laughs> thank you, guys. You've got me all fired up this morning. I got to tell you, because the back and forth that we have before the show, you know, for each unit, different areas, black black culture and influence in this country uh, has been misrepresented, misreported. I think overweighted just in entertainment and sports, but there's so much more to it. And as you know, I love food. So, you know, even food has played such a huge role in this country uh, that we've not paid attention to. So I'll, I'll go first to uh, you, Walter. Uh, Black Culture and Influence, Unit 8 in BH365. Let's have it. Yeah, well, that uh, unit was really designed to talk about the genius and the ingenuity um, that many uh, Black Americans uh, have displayed but also rooting those things here in, uh, in American culture. And I know with uh, entertainment, I know with food, I know that all Americans really, really enjoy, enjoy uh, participating into those components. So we wanted to make sure that we highlighted all aspects of, of, of the culture as relates to that end. And I think that the images that we have in the book and the QR codes just really celebrate the uh, contributions that that blacks have made to um, to American history and the, the country at large contemporarily. So, Joel, let me toss this question to you then. What Walter just said, here's a perspective or in this question. Many people just see American culture, but the distinction of black culture when I watch the shows is not often made the correct way as an integrative method or an integrative relationship, but as if it's somehow to be separate. And that bothers me. As an American, that bothers me, regardless of color of skin. Yes. um, You know, one of the reasons why we waited till Unit 8 to talk about this is because we wanted to provide uh, a whole context when you put it together with, uh, uh, you know, all, all of the things that happened prior to uh, the people getting into sports. And, uh, of course, you begin to realize that uh, black people were separated from sports. Uh, we look at the history of baseball. We look at the history of, of basketball, football, hockey, any sport. And we can see the struggle in every single aspect of it. It's almost like a chess game when you look at the Jackie Robinson story and how they had to have 
kind of discussions with Jackie. Now, how, how are we going to handle this? How are we going to handle that? And then once the color barrier was broken, then we began to see more and more openness for people to be playing in sports. So the, I think that um, you know, we look at the whole picture, we, we can begin to see that uh, every aspect, the price was paid. Uh, you know, people, people now playing in sports, um, they, they owe a great debt to people like Spencer Haywood, you know, for instance, uh, Kwame Brown. Um, all the other ones that the, the uh, athletes in the NBA that that came into uh, you know straight from high school hardship cases into the NBA, it was people like Spencer Haywood that stepped up and said, "I'm going to take the the arrows," and then they paved the way for others. And I, I just think we have such a great uh, debt of honor and gratitude to the people that were willing to take those risks and to take the arrows for others. You know, don't get me wrong, guys. There, there and I. This is why I say that uh, there was a need for activism and for the 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 brave people who stepped out there. You know, whether it was on one side a branch, Ricky, or other players who continued to play and travel. You think about what we talked about with the Green Book, traveling through the South and dealing with this all over the country in some form. Uh, but was there also a, a call it a, a natural cultural recognition because of what sports represents to America as a culture? Uh, Walter, to you on that, you know, high school players who played with each other in times when there was still segregation, college players. We see the movies now, but was it also something that was happening and it was kind of a parallel track? Walter? I'm, I'm sorry. Can you hear me, Dave? Uh, one of the things that's paramount, uh, David, is that many of those um, universities like the University of Alabama and other uh, universities in the Deep South that were segregated at one point, and when they knew that they wanted to uh, open up the gates, you know, the floodgates to win, um, they, they start allowing uh, black athletes to come and participate. But one of the things that happened, there were bonds that were formed uh, between the white players and the black players. And many of the white players became uh, advocates and protectors of some of those black athletes as well, you know, making sure that their experience was comfort comfortable. But um, as a result of that, a brotherhood and a sisterhood um, are, it's, it's, it's generally formed because what happens is say, hey, you know, you and I are in the trenches and we're in this thing together and we're going to fight through it together. And I think that some of those things just spread spread off in life itself, um, where fans became um, adjusted and, and ready and supportive of those transitions um, uh, that took place with uh, integrating those 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 sports teams. You know, and Joel, at the same time, there were attempts to stop this, to to block out black accomplishment, as you say. Uh, it wasn't effective, but in some ways and for some time it was. Where are we then and today, Joel? Well, I, uh, I look back and uh, there, there's a, an incredible book that I read many, many years ago uh, by a, uh, an eminent scholar by the name of Chancellor Williams called The Destruction of Black Civilization. 
and he shares uh, his opinion in the form of seven or some tactics that uh, that Eurocentric anthropologists have used to black uh, to to blot out black accomplishments. And uh, the first one he said is to just ignore or refuse to publish any facts of African history that would support their racial theories. And then to create a, a religious and scientific doctrine to ease white conscience for oppressing and enslaving black people. And then to flood the world with hastily thrown together African histories that contain European perspectives only. It's like when Great Zimbabwe was found. Uh, they, they thought there's no way that black people built this. And so it had to be that they came up with all kinds of theories around it. And start renaming people in places. Replace African names of persons, places, and things with Arabic and European names. And this will tr- disguise their true black identity. And then to change the criteria for defining race. For example, one drop of Negro blood in America makes you a Negro, according to his what he wrote. He says, no matter how light your skin. When reporting ancient history, reverse the standard, make one drop of white blood render someone a Caucasian, no matter how dark the skin. And then uh, he said that when black participation in civilization is so obvious, your best schemes can't hide it. Find a way to attribute the success to outside white influences. And then finally, he said, when all the ancient historians contradict your theory, seek to discredit them. And I, I just uh, I just think it's important to have that context. Um, you know, I, 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 I agree wholeheartedly, um, you know, working with professional athletes all these years, I have, I've seen this fraternity, this tight bond that happens uh, that no one else can break. And it's just an amazing thing to watch with uh, white players and black players, in some cases, Jewish and, and uh, Hispanic and Asian players, but just to come together to fight a battle, to have a common enemy, so to speak, quote unquote, But I just think to to have this understanding from Chancellor Williams provides a tremendous context. You know, Walter, everything Joel just said, and we're talking about black history here, right? Black History 365, an inclusive account of American history. I'm also seeing a disturbing reality develop now. And to talk about the cohesiveness of sports and as someone who played several sports, I get that. We were on the same team. We wore the same school colors. Uh, In professional sports, you see something similar and it still exists. But now there's a, a what I would call a dangerous reversal in current history, if you will, where black players and predominant and dominant black players, dominant figures are reversing what Walter's talking about and disunity and discord in the locker room and on the playing field has now got a racial component. Yeah, you definitely uh, could see that. Um, it's definitely uh, the ilk uh, in, in, in some locker rooms, and, and there's a divide um, that's underfoot. But I think that it's confused with many of those black players just really striving to have a voice. And I think that if there was a opportunity to really share relevant information that was going to bring about that cohesion, I think that that can definitely uh, help the cause. But I definitely understand what you're saying. But I think that that's why 
Joel and I believe that our work is so incredibly important because it can bring about a deep sense of clarity on some of those issues that, that affects us and that keep us apart and also clear up the misconceptions and putting everyone back on the same page. Yep. The essence of a good education, or in this case, let me say a great education, as the book continues to be adopted in many school systems by homeschoolers, people in this audience who buy and are beginning to share. Uh, So I'm seeing that develop. All right, guys, you know me by now well enough. There's got to be a food element in black culture and black food uh you know my latest fascination the story of benin africa and the fact that when you think of watermelon when you think of rice when you think of yams sweet potatoes so much to this that came here with culture cooked in the early slave days and has advanced to where today it's integrated as part of our cuisine but that's had a to me that's been a positive effect on society Yes, it has. And where uh, many slaves, it was almost like uh, they took, literally took lemons and made lemonade. Um, they were given the worst part of, of some of the meats, but they made a cuisine out of that. And I think that some of those things have transitioned today. But if you go all the way back to, uh, to, to Africa, ancient Africa, um, food was a very, very important aspect of life and culture, especially with the spices and, and, and it tastes really good. And I think that, um, what was born out of that is this whole notion of, of American, uh, a culture, because I know that many people that, that I know, some of the folks that I know that own restaurants, they have a cadre of people that come, I mean, of all nationalities, but uh, some of the food, you know, is classified as soul food. But all folks love love the taste of good food. Yeah, food, entertainment, and uh, sports. I think we've covered it pretty well. Unit 8, Black Culture and Influence of Black History 365, an inclusive account of American history. All right, I'm going to follow Joel's direction here and toss it first to you. An elephant experience, a one-minute fun fact, Walter. In Unit 8, what's on your mind today? Well, one of the things um, (laughs) that has been... Uh, troubling. I've gone through this. My uh, cousin who played in the NFL, he goes, he went through it. And my son is dealing with some of the dynamics. And that is the black quarterback, um, where uh, many of them have received the label as being athletic, uh, which is good, which is true. But also, um, I think that it needs to be shared that they have the cognition and the ability to think critically and analytically and also the leadership acumen that that position um, really, uh, really calls for. And I think that that's an elephant experience, but I think many programs are really looking at the ingenuity that comes from uh, that position and expectations and that the best candidate will definitely uh, win the job. Yeah, another step forward, gentlemen, as we keep stepping forward to borrow that and continue through this series 
on Black History 365, an inclusive account of American history, available for everyone in uh, book form, ebook form at bh365.org. Uh, next uh, series, next uh, unit in the series, the Lone Star State. A lot of proud Texans, and uh, not just related to Juneteenth. So I'm looking forward to that one as well. And the Texas response. There's a Texas edition as well for the book as always thank you you help me learn every day i'm a history buff as you both know but i continue to work my way through these units and learn more and i hope others out there will continue to do the same thank you thank Thank you so much david David. unit nine is next the lone star state all right texans are you listening bh365.org black history an inclusive account of american history written by dr walter milton jr and joel a freeman phd i'll be right back <laughs> 